Hello and welcome to the Bleeding Heart Scotchcast. My name's Jack Shuttleworth and today I'm joined by SNP campaigner and organiser Ian Sinclair where we talk about Covid vaccines, the SNP party conference and international geopolitics. Thank you so much for joining us. Let's get it. Ian, do you want to just talk about who you are first before we, we go any further on? Yes, I. So I'm uh, nobody, uh, really. Uh, I'm just a, a general citizen of Scotland out there trying to make his point uh, in the world. Uh, I'm an SNP member, I'm an activist. Um, I have been for about 15 years or so. Um, I, I work in politics and it's uh, it's good fun. Uh, um, <laughs> I'm a, I'm a, I'm a dad, a husband, uh, a, a dog owner, a rabbit owner, uh, and car driver. Excellent, right? Hi, hybrid car driver. I'm a conscientious car driver. <laughs> okay, mate. Uh, yeah, but we've had some great news this week. Um, we've got a coronavirus vaccine. We can see the light at the end of the tunnel. It is appearing before us very quickly, Ian. How relieved are you that we've got this now? Yeah, um, it's as you said, it's a light at the end of the tunnel. Um, it's it's something that we can finally be hopeful about uh, in a year two thousand and twenty that has been um, littered with things that have got us all down uh, and got us to uh, you know in certain situations where everybody is feeling it. This small piece of hope, you know, twenty odd days before the end of the year is something that we can all probably cling to and take that forward into 2021, I think. Um, I will caveat that with the point that this isn't a fix-all. This is the beginning of the road to recovery. This isn't the end of a recovery. This We've got, still got a long way to go, but I'm, I'm hopeful and relieved that it's happening. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, I think like one of the things about the, the countries that have done really well, well, not really well, because no one's really done well, but I've done slightly better. I've been sort of countries like South Korea, um, mm. where they've really used technology and sort of adapt and have been really adapting to a new normal for a number of years now. Um, but do you think it's been a sort of bit of a shock for some people to kind of have their their liberties sort of not really like squashed, but maybe curtailed a little bit? Has that been a little bit too much for them? I think everybody's been used to a certain way of living for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's been a massive shock to the system. I don't think anybody um, would say it hasn't been. I think everybody in some way, shape or form has been impacted by the pandemic. Um, restriction of liberty, it's, that's a difficult one um, because I think the restriction of liberty has been to a point necessary to keep everybody safe. But I understand, uh, totally understand why people are just sick at times of, of what's going on. Um, everybody's sick of it. I'm sick of it. Oh. Um, tired. Um, it's just a case of we've got to power through. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. We have to do what can. We have to we have to do what's necessary. I think is is probably what I've been clinging to for eight, for eight months now. It's just yeah. do what's necessary. And it's, it's like that that moment in Avengers Endgame where it's just whatever it takes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I feel feel yeah. like Captain America at times, just whatever <laughs> it takes. Yeah, um, but yeah. 
So do you think that the kind of difference in leadership and the different style in leadership has made it slightly easier for people to take sort of this more narrowed style of living than, than uh, sort of south of the border has? The answer to that is probably. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I don't know for, for certain. <laughs> I, have, yeah. I mean, the thing is, I see people all over the world because I get friends all over the world, you know, down south, up north across west, across east, everybody to some extent, to a lesser or greater extent, has had a different style of leadership to contend with. Mm -hmm. um, the way that things have gone in Scotland, it has been noted, the differences in leadership, not just down south, where you've got Piers Morgan blaring his mouth off against the UK government every single day, rightly so. And then on the same program you know praising the fact that Nicola Sturgeon is doing such a good job at, at leading a country through this ridiculous crisis mm -hmm. um I think it has been I think it's easier to take when it's put to you so honestly you know that it doesn't appear that anything has been sugar-coated whereas there's been a lot of obfuscation coming from other leaders in other parts of the UK and other parts of the world that maybe have led people to a false sense of security mm -hmm. and maybe not fully understanding exactly what's coming down the road. So yeah, I think the answer is probably we have benefited <laughs> from the leadership style that we have seen in Scotland. Yeah, not probably. We have benefited from it. Yeah, I think it's also, it's very sort of apparent in its, in its nature, I think as well, you know. So when you've got like a Conservative government whose real kind of idea from the get-go is to get the wheels of the economy moving you know is to get the sort of you know it's to keep people working it's to get people to sort of you know that place where they are you know producing output which keeps the economy growing and growing and growing and then when you've mm -hmm. got kind of almost like a democratic socialist kind of viewpoint from the north which is sort of saying look people need looked after you know um one of the things i've noticed through this pandemic is the fact that people have been outraged that pubs being shut and they said that, you know, you know, look, it's only affecting like really old people. And I'm like, yeah, no, but really old people do matter as well. You know, it's like, yeah, but, but these people are going to die anyway. You know what I mean? Like what sort of apathy, you know, what sort of like lack of empathy do people have to keep the free market moving? You know what I mean? I think it's just, it is very concerning to watch and very concerning to see the message coming through on, on all sorts of platforms um, from people who have real kind of sway and clout in the sort of public consciousness. It's been very, very difficult. I think, I think you're right. There is, I mean, the economy is one thing that is a cost where this is concerned, and that is an important cost to factor into the equation. But in doing that, you kind of forget that there is a human side to that as well, and that the economy isn't going to be there if you don't have humans there to run it. Yeah. Yeah, we're not at a stage where we have a fully autonomous economy whereby it's run by artificial intelligence and we androids. I mean, it's we are not living in iRobot. Mm -hmm. It's quite, mm -hmm. you know, we we're living in, in a time where technology is improving, but we still need human beings. And I think that the social side of that aspect where where the, Scotland's concerned and where the, you know the Scottish government is concerned, it's focused on the people. Uh -huh. 
whilst also being focused on the fact that the economy is there and it needs to keep going and you know we need to have an economy to have a decent society and blah de blah. But I come back to that point, the human element of, of the economy is the most important and that's what needs to be protected at all times. It doesn't help when you have people playing politics with folks' lives though. That's that's mm-hmm. one of the big problems. Yeah, yeah. And we've been seeing that a lot this week, haven't we? Even even with the sort of good news that we've had with the vaccine, you know, we've still got and, and throughout this whole pandemic, you know, we've had the same kind of chorus. You've always kind of felt it's been a bit we're not playing politics with this, but we are. But we're not. Yeah. But we are, but we're not. Yeah. Um, you know, but but <laughs> this time this time from the Conservative government we've seen overtly playing politics with this as well. Yeah. Yes. I'm just talking uh, and that. Yeah. I mean, essentially, we're going through. I mean, because Brexit hasn't stopped, we're we're still going through this. I, I can't find a polite word for it. Actually, uh-huh. we're still going through this process. I'll say that we're going through this process that is Brexit, and on the first of January, we're doomed to coin a phrase. <laughs> <laughs> um, Matt Hancock, who is a better or worse known as just a bit of a buffoon, really, um, has said that the reason that we have, you know, the UK, the MHRA has managed to license this vaccine so quickly is because we haven't, uh, we haven't had the constraints of the European Union. You know, it's because of Brexit that we have been able to do this so, so quickly. Uh, but the chief executive of the MHRA, I think her name's June Darren or something like that, she's turned around and said, Actually, we've worked under the European legislation that we always work by, which ends on the 1st of January. So the MHRA, who licensed the drugs and so on and so forth, and the vaccines have, have directly contradicted everything that the Member of Parliament said, Matt Hancock has said. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. It's, it's that, that element of playing politics is essentially not unhelpful in this situation whereby people are fed up with Brexit, people are fed up with everything that's going on, because they've got to a stage now where I think a lot of people now, if they, if they were to have the vote again, it would go completely in the other direction, and, and not just by a margin of 4%, it would go wildly in the other direction. Um, people see the mask slipping now, mm-hmm. and they have done for a while. I mean, we've got rid. I mean, we've got rid of Cummings. Uh, they have, that, that, that side of the thing is gone. But we're still seeing the legacy of that playing out, and it's all these hardline Brexiteers playing politics with people's lives and going, oh, you know, jolly old good Brexit, you know, make Britain great again. It's just bull. Mm-hmm. And, and you, instead of doing things like that, it's little wonder that talking about when we go, when we want to go for an independent referendum, it is little wonder that you go, you know, the Tories go, oh, but you can't do that. You need to focus on, on the pandemic. It's like, well, we have done for the past eight months, but it hasn't been because of your efforts. It's been because of our efforts. Yeah, we've, we've done well out of this in spite of a government like you, you know. Correct. I think that's, that's, that's the other week, uh, over the weekend, uh, just gone. We had the SNP party conference. Now, I didn't watch much of it. I sort of was full of the cold and was trying to stay in bed as much as I could and get as much sleep in as I could. Um, but obviously, you being a member, you working uh, for the party to some extent. Um, how was it to watch instead of be at this year? 
Yeah, it was different. Um, first of all, I hope you're feeling much better. Oh, I, um, well, I'm, I'm getting there, you know, I'm getting there. Oh, yeah, all right, diddums. <laughs> I'll send you some chicken soup in the post if you want. Uh, just make sure you've got a bottle of Lucasade sitting somewhere close by. Yeah, it's it, conference was different this year. I think it was always going to be different. I mean, I, I don't know. I genuinely don't know what I was expecting. I've been to a few conferences um, before, and they've always been really good. I've always enjoyed them. This was no different. I still enjoyed it, but it was obviously all online. I think, given the fact that we are in unprecedented times, I don't think we can have really high expectations of how these things are going to go. I think a lot of people sometimes do. It's like, oh, it's going to go off without a hitch. But, you know, we had, there was technical issues. And that's fine because this is a. This I, think is the one, a I think the one phrase I kept seeing on Twitter was technical gremlins and like, you know what I mean? But yeah, we get Te- you know, te- technical issues and stuff like that, yeah. But. Yeah, technical gremlins, aye, that's, that's one way of putting it. Um, but yeah, it's teething issues. I mean, the fact of the matter is, is that we've had to adapt to online meetings over the past eight months. You know, team meetings online, Zoom quizzes mm-hmm. um, with your folks. Um, I had a I had a brilliant murder mystery Zoom. Yeah, over yeah. it was absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Um, but we have we've had to adapt. The platform though was was quite good. I would this is a personal thing. I would probably have liked to have heard a, a more broad range of speakers. It seemed that there was a few. There was there was a fair few people that you you seen every, like every sort of debate. There was four main kind of resolution areas. But I understand the fact that in such a small space of time, there's only so many people you can hear. And if it's like what a conference normally is, is that you don't get to all the speakers. It's it's impossible to. We, we're a party of 125-odd thousand members. If everybody's a delegate to a conference and everybody wants to have their say, we'd be having a conference from now until the back end of July next year. You know, we've a broad party with so many different people, so many different opinions and, and different kind of ideas of what we can do but the main thing is is that we are a party the SNP are a party that has bags of people with so much talent that we can you know essentially we have this right good opportunity to just run with it mm-hmm. and I think that's 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 what comes out of it more than anything you know every party is going to get negative press for whatever reason you know and 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 that 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 can be a good thing. That can be a bad thing. But at the end of the day, we have people talking about us, mm-hmm. and that's that's obviously a, that's obviously a good thing. Yeah. Um, if people yeah. are talking about us, they're talking about us for a reason. Yeah, and I mean, um, you know, you can tell when we'll call them. I hate using phrases like this, but like the Westminster establishment begin to see the SNP as a threat. Is the more negative press that comes out about the SNP and, and we've been having a lot recently, you know, and, and that, that's, that's really hard to kind of fight against constantly, you know, to constantly go up against a kind of barrage and, and, and sort of like a, also like a false narrative as well, you know, that gets peddled out quite a lot. Mm-hmm. And, and we were talking about this last night, you know, that it, it can get, it can get hard for sort of like members, campaigners, supporters, how much of, kind of like voter apathy and, and, and sort of lack of momentum do you feel that the party's gone through over the last year? Just just due to COVID and stuff like that, not due to, and, and also like the constant pressure of false narratives and things like that. How, how much is that affecting the party? I think um, 
I, th I don't think it's affected the party too much. I think the party are, are, are still steaming ahead, steaming ahead because you look at the polls and, and I don't trust polls. I, I only trust the poll that we have on the election day. That's the only poll that I can trust for, for definite. Um, but when you look at the polls, you get a bit of a confidence boost and you, you think, ah, we're not doing too badly. And that's good. It's always somewhere to aim for. But we always campaign like we're behind anyway. So that's, mm -hmm. that, that's the nature of it. Apathy comes into it quite a bit though because, I mean... I think we were saying to you before, we've had, like in this area, we've had an election every year since 2007 or so on. Um, so that's every year for the past however long. Um, that there's been a by-election, a referendum, an election, a Scottish election, a general election, a by-election, whatever, that we've had to campaign for. And activists get tired. Mm -hmm. I get tired. I'm an activist. I get tired. Uh, so I can, I can speak for myself and say, I get tired. But I don't get tired of working for the goal. It's, it's quite simple, but I don't get tired for working for it because it's a bigger picture. We have to have a bigger picture. But voter apathy, people are sick of politics. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think people have been sick of politics for a long time. Mm -hmm. um, the when the referendum in 2014 happened, we saw the, the biggest engagement of democratic engagement of a country ever. We got mm -hmm. so many people engaged, so many people were out in the streets knocking doors and so on and so forth. Since then, there's been hit after hit after hit after hit. And then we come into 2020 and we hit COVID and people are already tired of politics. Mm -hmm. They're going to be tired to a, a different degree because it's going to be all-encompassing where that's concerned. That's up to... Uh, but I think at the end of the day, people still come out and vote because voting's important. People feel a real emotional uh, connection to, to voting they like to go down to the polling station this is going to be different but there's no getting away from it this this election next year is going to be different but the thing we need to keep in mind is that this is probably the most important election in scotland's history because this is the this is the election that's going to deliver independence ultimately how we vote in may next year is going to determine the time scale it's going to determine how quickly it's going to happen and it's going to determine how hard they're going to they've, they've been putting it off and saying, we can't have this, you can't have this for so long. The atmosphere post-election 2021 is going to be such that it's going to be impossible for them to say no. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if they do, God help them. What, what happens when they say, if they say no? How difficult an argument is that to win and you know what what is what is this sort of i've been seeing it quite a lot is this what is this plan b you know what happens when they turn around and say no you know what i believe that there are not just plan a and b i believe there's plan a through z and then and then they go into um, binary and then they go into hexadecimal there are so many different plans so many different permutations that could happen that i believe that any of them are plausible and possible um i'll be honest with you though referenda in this country the uk sorry referenda in the uk are advisory only unless there's like a section 30 order 2016's referendum on the uk's membership of the european union was an advisory referendum only and yet from that, the UK government have gone on to enact what they say is the will of the people on a 4% margin. 
Oh, yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. Scotland has the power to hold an advisory referendum. And if we hold an advisory referendum and go, well, the will of the people now is this. You've set the legal precedent for taking the country, taking the UK out of the European Union. You've taken Scotland, the country, out of the European Union against the will of the Scottish people. Had they considered that at the time with the triple lock and everything like that at the time, we wouldn't be in this situation. Mm-hmm. They've made it such that they've back, they, I reckon they've backed themselves into a corner. So when we do go for it, we go for it and say, you'll have had your tea, there's the door. Yeah. You're yeah. calling the shots. That's, that's, that's how I see it playing out. Okay. And I can't wait. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, like, this is... Obviously, this is only one route, you know. There are, like you said, there are many different routes that this can take. So who, so who even knows? But I, I do feel that Coming out of the conference, I mean, again, we, we, we spoke about sort of like getting tired of politics and stuff like that and like, you know, just people not having the kind of general gusto as what you would normally have had somewhere else. But I think what's different about this one is that the swing isn't going to happen in the campaign. The swing's already happened. You know, the, the swing from no to yes has already happened. Yeah. And, and we're seeing it more and more. That essentially is it a done deal? No, 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 no. Um, no, I'm, I'm, I'm a very cautious, strategically minded person. There's never anything guaranteed in this. Mm-hmm. Um, I, as I've said before, it's, it's a case of I don't trust the polls that I see. Yeah, fifteen in a row, sixteen in a row, all showing a, a majority for you know in favour of independence. That's magic, you know. That's lifeblood in the campaign. That's keeping us going. Going right, okay. But as I said before, campaign like you're behind. Mm-hmm. You do everything you can, everything that you can to, to squeeze every vote that you can for independence. But we need to do it in such a way that we're not going to take people over to independence. Who And many people have come from the no side to the yes side in the last four, five, six years. Um, we need to take them on board and show them the reasons why independence is the best course for Scotland. I think a lot of people have seen it through the COVID pandemic. It's a horrible thing to say that something so bad and tragic that's happened has, has just shown how blunt of an instrument devolution has been at times. Uh, and that if we did have the full tax powers and things like that, we could have done so much more to help so many more people, so many more businesses, so many more communities, so many more people who have literally fallen through the cracks of UK government systems. And the Scottish government can't do anything because their hands are tied behind their back where that's concerned. That's that's real. Mm-hmm. And people are feeling that and people are going, well, why can't we do something different? Go, it's because of this, eh? Mm-hmm. That's a horrible thing to say. But it's true. It's a horrible true fact that we can't do as much as we should be able to do because we're not an independent country. But as you said, the, the, the thing is, this is not a done deal. As you, I, I don't think anything's guaranteed. I don't think independence is necessarily guaranteed unless we work towards it and get there. But we've had so many people make that journey from no use. And you know what? Welcome aboard. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Welcome aboard. There's no independence is, is above everything else. You know, it, it's it's what countries can do to make themselves more prosperous, to take us in a different direction. 
you look at some of the policies that were coming out from conferences at the weekend, the, the four-day week, £500 million for new homes, free school meals for all primary school children. Mm-hmm. These are really progressive policies that will lift people out of poverty and build new homes for people because we, we don't have enough homes for people. Um, these are all good policies, but that could be so much more were we an independent country. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I yeah. think I think as well like people are also taught this false narrative that like you know oh we just cannot afford it we cannot afford it whereas we've got a UK government that has corporate tax at 19% <laughs> you know we've got corporate tax at 19% but we can't afford it you know I, I don't even know what it is in, in, in Denmark or one of these it's other countries corporate tax at 19% but it's, it's, it's definitely not 19% in countries like Denmark and stuff where they have amazing social programs you know, and, and we're looking at them and thinking they are the beacon that we're trying to follow here. And and, and they can afford it. Absolutely. But it's that false narrative, you know. It's, it's this kind of like, it's and it's such a difficult thing to fight against. Mm. Um, and I think it's going to be a massive issue like as we go into this campaign next year. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. And what people need to start realising is that it's going to be 10 to 20 more years of austerity with a UK government that's just, and it's going to be perpetual Tory governments now mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because of the way that, that basically England is so polarised where that's concerned. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, Labour are nowhere. The Tories are just continuously winning elections. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's going to be austerity max. People say that about independence. It's going to have to be austerity max because of independence. It's like, okay, that's fine and fair enough, but that's what we decide not what someone else imposes upon us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But as you said, so many more people now are coming over to yes from no and are more than welcome to change their mind. Um, and I mean, you even mentioned someone to me the other day who's come over from no to yes, completely underneath my radar that this person had done it. Yeah. I mean, Ian, I don't know how. do you want to? I, I know. I've, I, I don't know how, how it completely just slipped my radar, but Murray Foote. Yeah, former editor of the Daily Record. I. Unbelievable. The guy that wrote the vow, yeah, you know, I mean, fair yeah. enough. Uh, he his his sort of uh, narrative for doing it was that you know it was it was my job, you know, I had to sort of I had to reinforce the beliefs of my readers, kind of thing, you know. But he's come across and is now working for the SNP in, Ho- in Hollywood. It's unbelievable. Yeah, uh, and you know, he's he's a good guy, um, and he was a good guy when he wrote the vow as well. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, pe- people, people's politics can change so much. Um, just, uh, I mean, uh, and you, you know, you can't judge the people who have a different opinion to what you have. You've got to respect that. You've got to respect that in the context that it's in. Um, which is why you hear a lot of people saying, "Oh, but I've had really, you know, good conversations with some Tories." Yes, because. because they're human beings and you can have a conversation with them. You can deplore their policies all you like, mm-hmm. but you can't, you can't bring it down to that kind of level. You, or you shouldn't bring it down to that kind of level, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. But, but the, like the vaccine, you know, the hope is there. And the hope is, the hope is something to absolutely cling on to. And it's something that we can all get behind next year. And it's going to be a big push from everyone to get us over the line and to get us into sort of you know, unbelievable, not seen before territory for um, a Scottish parliamentary election, which should be the, the final goal. So, this, yeah. This is, we've done so much work. The, 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 the independence movement over the decades has done so much work to get us to the point that we're at now. 
And if you think of this like our Everest, this is the last 5% of the journey. And it's the hardest. We need as many people helping and supporting and pushing us there to get there. And more the more the merrier, absolutely the more the merrier. But it's coming yet for all that. Well, we'll now delve quickly into the realm of international politics now. Uh, the other week, what could what we know so far is Mossad had assassinated um, Iran's top uh, nuclear scientist. Well, as, I, mean, I, I don't. It's not confirmed that it was Mossad. Yeah, but They're, this is this is the thing. This, this is this is what the we're... Iranian state media. Because have, have you read? I mean, I don't know. Have you read like mm-hmm. the different reports on it? Mm-hmm. That it started out as a gunfight, and then all of a sudden it's a drone with a, a remote mm-hmm. control machine gun, yeah. um, and it's Mossad and some cast out Iranian group of some mm-hmm. sort. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just, I, I mean, I, I don't think we should, I don't, I mean, I don't think it's been pinned on anybody yet. It's just Iranian state media saying it's, it's Mossad, isn't it? Yeah. So that's, that's the thing where we've got to kind of look at Iran and begin to kind of wonder about their motives. But that is just the kind of way that, that these kind of things go down. You know, they are often quite murky subjects, you know, countries will blame other countries that maybe had nothing to do with it. Um, in a way of kind of provoking them. But the point is as well is that this is something that would not have not been signed off on by the White House as well. Something of this nature. And it's at least something that the White House would not have not known about, you know. And certainly as we're going through this massive political transition in our time, it just doesn't help when we have someone with the temperament that we have uh, in the White House who for all we want and, and, and try and protest it, does have a, a say in sort of day-to-day running of geopolitics on a massive scale. But I think I've, I've spoken to you about this before, but where does Scotland kind of sit when stuff like this is going on as an independent country when we get there? Do we shift our clout behind someone and say, yeah, we we'll support you, we're with you? Or do we turn around and say, no, actually, we don't think you should be doing this now that our voice really has an, a massive kind of military stick behind it? Yeah, it's it's a... It's a really complex thing because the Middle East, I think I've said this before as well, the Middle East is just this complex hotbed of different things that's going on, different cultures, different people. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a place that, that fascinates me, um, the Middle East. And I'll be honest, I'm, I've never been kind of anywhere like that, but I'm drawn to places like that and think, I'd love to go and visit there just to experience it, just to drink it all in, uh-huh. just to say, I've done that, I've been there, I like that, you know, whatever. But the, the fact of the matter is, is that Scotland as an independent country could be the nation that can sit down and bash folks' heads together and sit them down on the table and say, right, let's sort this out. Uh-huh. Where's, where's it going wrong? Because, you know, what's happening? We are a country that, that is quite peaceful, even although um, if you walk down Socky Hall Street on a Saturday night sometimes, it's maybe not quite so peaceful. Mm-hmm. We are a, a, a nation of people who like the peace and quiet. We don't like a fuss. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So why would we, wa- I mean, not that we would want to step into anybody's, 
you know, any country's kind of internal kind of politics or internal matters. But if something has a potential to go further and wider than that, you know, Scotland has a duty to, to stand up and say, let's, let's calm things down a bit here, guys. You know, let's calm things down, folks. Let's, let's see if we can work this out. You know, the, the diplomatic sort of route. Let's see if we can talk things out first. And if, if, it, if it ends up where I saw scrap in the car park, then fair enough. Okay. Yeah. But we need to do everything that we can to, to de-escalate any situation like that. Um, and I think it's a, it's a distinct possibility that Scotland can be that beacon of hope, that the, that beacon of light that the world can look to just to take a chill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Thing, you know? I think the the danger I think I've found in recent years with geopolitics and international politics, like looking at it, is the the thing about isolationism. You know, mm-hmm. and it is the and isolationism is a threat because if you've got uh, uncertainty and you've got areas of the world that aren't peace aren't at peace with themselves. It allows all sorts of gremlins to to move in, you know, unsavoury gremlins, you know, gremlins who are not for democracy, uh, who are not for, you know, a a free press or or anything like that. These things that Scotland holds on to and it holds on to quite fiercely. Um, And and not to sound a bit too kind of 1950s America about this, but, you know, it does have a domino effect, you know, And, and these countries do it does knock on. You know, Brexit is probably more of a symptom of, of something that's happened in mainland Europe than it is something that's been happening in America. You know, and I think Scotland has a real uh, a real sort of question to ask about itself. And if it is truly an internationalist country, um, it cannot avoid having thoughts on situations like this. And at the minute, you know, politically, it might not do anyone any favours if Nicola Sturgeon comes out and gives a, a statement on it. But it can't shy away from these kind of things, you know, and it has to kind of throw its voice behind a bigger, a bigger thing to, to kind of be part of, you know, be that a sort of European defence coalition or something like that, you know, that it can sort of have everyone singing off the same, same hymn sheet and use its influence well. But I think we cannot advocate for other countries going into other countries and assassinating, you know, people with some sort of degree of importance about them. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's a line that can't be crossed. Mm-hmm. Um, and if if that line is in you know is crossed deliberately, then it's a case of you shouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. Let's you know just sit down, mm-hmm. stop doing that, get a grip on yourself. Um, the, the issue is is that and when people start talking about big military and things like that, folks start shifting their seats. They're not really comfortable with the idea. I'm not comfortable with the idea of sending troops you know anywhere for 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 whatever reason. Um, Unless there's a damn good reason for it, mm-hmm. um, but the, the the issue is is that we have diplomacy and international relations by Twitter these days, uh, yeah, and yeah. that's not a good place to hold discussions. Uh-huh. We know we all know how that can uh, you know escalate really quickly. Where Scotland sits, where that's concerned, is that. We, you know, the, the, the big threat, especially in that kind of area and, and, you know, and elsewhere in the world, the nuclear threat is really quite tangible. Hmm. And this is where, you know, there's a really strong feeling that we should not have nuclear weapons in this world. Hmm. Because when you look at it, Iran wants nuclear weapons to be able to defend itself, right? 
for mm. example. North Korea, similar situation. It wants, it wants to have a nuclear weapon to be able to defend itself against a, a higher power, having nuclear weapons and just blowing it off the face of the planet. We live in the world where nuclear weapons is a huge stick-waving competition. Mm-hmm. Scotland doesn't need that and doesn't want that. And if Scotland doesn't need and want that, the world doesn't need it either. Mm-hmm. That's quite simple. As an independent country, we'd be calling for the unilateral disarmament. Mm-hmm. in my opinion, of mm-hmm. nuclear weapons. Get, if we don't want them in our waters, we don't want them in anybody else's waters. That is quite simple. Um, so where do we go from there? The other thing is, is that, as you said, these some of these things are quite underhand these days. We're not, we're not fighting on a nuclear scale. We're fighting people in the shadows. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, we're fighting people that can literally bring down a country from the bedroom with a tap of a button. Hmm. So, what what do we what do we do in that in that sense? Scotland has a lot of really good content creators, hmm. right? technologically savvy people who can go, "Hi, fair enough." You know what? We should harness that kind of um, harness that ability in ourselves, hmm. but we should also harness it in a way that we can we can make a difference in the world. By just cooling things down, uh-huh. um, and, and being that leading on it, just uh-huh. leading on it. We go in into a discussion, we lead on it. Uh-huh. You'll either end up going away with your tail between your legs, or you'll end up with a broken nose. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. And I think we are as we move into twenty twenty one, and 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 we and we're going to talk about this in the next episode. You know, we're going to have a look back on twenty twenty, and then we're going to look forward in twenty twenty one. What I think we do see is a as a bringing down of the temperature. Um, you know, and and I think my only hope is that as we move forward into 2021, we can tone down the temperature um, when it comes to things like international geopolitics as well. But it, it, unfortunately, it starts with our sort of distant cousins in the in the West, and I think we're in a good position now where we can have that conversation. Um, certainly, Biden's Iran policy will be that very very different to that of Trump's. Um, and I think, but the, the question is, does Scotland get behind it or is, does Scotland get behind a European-led bastion of moving forward and having good relations with Iran? I think I, I genuinely believe that Scotland should get behind whatever is the um, best way to achieve peace in the world. Mm-hmm. And if that's a case of, well, let's, let's look at everything, let's take the best of everything that we've got, and put it together and see what we come up with. Get everybody around the table and everybody talking. Uh-huh. That's the way to go. Uh-huh. Because a lot of this stuff just comes down to a basic misunderstanding or something getting lost in translation. Yeah. And I think... A failing error. A failing error, yeah. yeah, yeah. It, 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 is, it, is, it can sometimes be just quite as simple as that. Uh-huh. That... Um, that you know, people don't understand each other. I think there's a lot of that going about. I think there's a lot of that going about in in our society, in Scottish society. Anyway, anyway, yeah. Yeah. is that? I mean, you mentioned it earlier on when we were talking about things. Is that older people don't understand younger people, but younger younger people don't necessarily understand older people. And mm-hmm. you know, there's something there, that generational clash there. That you know, there's a bit of mistrust here and there and everywhere. See if we all just sat down and had a blather with each other, things would be. A whole lot easier. 
Yeah, that's my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. It's a very, it's a very Scottish way of looking at international politics, isn't it? You know what I mean? Yeah. Just everyone, everyone right. just have a wee sit down. We'll have a wee blether. We'll have a wee right. dram, and we'll sort this out. You know, and right. I think, I think if we, if we lead, if we lead in certain circles with that situation, I think there's no end of good that we can do as a, as an independent nation. Absolutely. Exactly. Exactly. We're the, we're the country that would have the tea. We'd have the tonics, caramel wafers, and the tonics tea cake sitting next to a massive plate of plate of baklava, and that would be brilliant. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, you know, but with a doily as well. With a doily. <laughs> with a doily as well, you know, and like your, your gran's best china. And then have your gran in the corner so that everyone is on their best behaviour, you know, as well. <laughs> I, I think, just, I think that's, know, I think that's really just cool. the square I've been in again. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. Ian, it's been an absolute oh. pleasure having you on, mate. Uh, I'm sure we'll see you again, but thank you so much for coming on the pod, mate. Absolute blessing to it's, have you on. It's been a delight, pal. Uh, it's good to see you, and uh, I'm, you know, I I have an opinion. There are five million opinions out there that we need to we need to hear as well. Um, but yeah, I'm delighted to be on, and uh, delighted to uh, have the opportunity to come and just have a chat. Thank you so much for listening to us this week. If you haven't already, go and follow us on Instagram at the BH Scotchcast. Brian, Scott and I will be back again in a fortnight where we'll be looking at 2020 and having a review of the year that's been. Until then, stay safe and we'll catch you next time.